When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie and we've got Ash tonight, we've got Billy and we've got Rosa. Tom, unfortunately for us, is on a pretty wet Welsh campsite right now for half term and we wish him well. We miss you, Tom. Um, On this episode, however, we will be talking... Sorry. On this episode, however, we'll be taking in the latest Tottenham Hotspur Stadium thrashing surveying the ever-changing top four race, looking ahead to Villa on the weekend, chatting about fullback scoring amazing goals. We'll be talking about a tough weekend for Spurs women. And of course, we'll be giving out some culture picks. Um, Newcastle, let's talk Newcastle, gang. Um, So it wasn't all that fun for 39 minutes until it was suddenly about as much fun as we've all had in the stadium this season or potentially for the three years it's been open. it's three years, by the way, on Sunday that since it had been opened, which I didn't realise. Um, give me some, give me some things you enjoyed, please. Ash, you can start. What did you enjoy about the the game? Um, just everyone's Antonio song for just throughout the second half. It was just it felt like a carnival kind of atmosphere, um, and yeah, like it just it just feels really exciting. Like we've got the right manager. We'll get into the Champions League bit in a, in, a, in a while. But yeah, just the whole vibe. Like, honestly, some of our football, like, on Sunday was incredible. I think there was a chance that Son missed, which was, like, one of the moves of the season, which sadly we didn't score. But yeah, just our football, the manager, like, everything just feels, like, amazing right now. And it's like a far cry from Nuno, like, just a few months ago. So all of it, all of it was amazing. Um. Rosa, we feel like a proper team now, a good team. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we look incredible. Um, and even without our like first 11, which I keep forgetting, 
because when I was so furious before the game when it transpired that Reggie was injured I just thought what's oh my god I'm so sick of you just grow up and stop I don't know I don't even know what he did like did like stub his toe or something I'm I'm very do you know what the problem is I've had COVID all week and I'm very very unsympathetic to other people's like (laughs) trials and tribulations I'm just out of time for it um and I was not up for the sort of um full-back axis of evil of um, Doherty on the left and Emerson Royale on the right. But as it turned out, it was completely fine and we didn't need to worry about it. And not only did we not need to worry about it, but I can't I can't believe how good Matt Doherty was on the left when I just thought, I absolutely thought he'd shrink and it would like undo all the good work that's, that he's been doing in the last few games. So even the fact that that wasn't even our like proper first 11, we still looked fantastic. I'm absolutely thing and let me tell you I needed that victory I needed that performance as I've said I've had COVID my whole family's been failed by it it's been two years and we've avoided it and it finally got us and I just had I was like just just please Tottenham just don't fuck this up for me don't fuck that for me and they didn't and I'm just I'm so 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 thrilled I can't even do you know what it is as well about that game I it's almost like you know, you could pick out players who you thought were amazing. So Kane and Romero, Kulisevsky, and somebody like Benton Core, I feel like I've completely sort of forgotten about in that performance, mm. which feels unfair because I'm sure he was also magnificent, but it's almost like I didn't notice him. It's kind of one of the great things about Benton Core, right? Is that he's just sort of slipped into the 11. Billy, I know you, you had a lot of time for his performance on, on Sunday. Yeah, it's just like another outstanding performance and I think what Rosa said is exactly right like he's so good that you kind of you don't notice how good that he is because he's doing everything exactly as he should be doing he's such a good like link between um in the transitions between midfield and attack and I think a lot of the sort of thing comes down to now being we've got a world-class manager and now the system has become more important than the individual individual players which I think we were all worried when we saw you know, the team being out for before kickoff. Um, but I think we've got had Conte for so long now and the system is now finally becoming ingrained in the players. It doesn't actually particularly matter that much if our best players are not playing in the system. The system is now sort of overriding the players. Um, and that's because of the way that, you know, Conte plays with these sort of like automatic um, attacks and these automatic movements and stuff. Like they're so now ingrained in the players that even if we have a weaker spot like Emerson and Doherty on the left, it didn't really matter because the system is so good and I think this is probably the performance probably the best Conte performance that we've seen in that second half um and not just because of like the obviously we scored five goals but it all came from like Conte style attacking football and as Ash was saying that the football in the second half is the best I've seen since like peak Pochettino era so yeah absolutely buzzing with it it was just such an incredible time to be there in the second half I really really enjoyed it um Ash, do we now have to accept that Matt Doherty is just a good footballer who is an important part of a very decent Tottenham Hotspur team? I think so. Um, <laughs> it's kind of mad to say uh, out yeah, loud, isn't it? It's, it I, I, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of almost choked on that. But um, yeah, it's, it is strange. But I'm really happy for him because um, he was very, very bad. And yeah. he sort of never gave up. and. Yeah, like, I think so many of the players, especially at the start of this season, um, were well below the required level. And, like, you can include, like, Kane and Son in that. And I think, like, they all look very fit now. 
they're all mm. like really sort of playing in like this system. And I guess this formation obviously suits like him especially. Um, so yeah, I think like it's great to have like these attacking fullbacks who are scoring consistently and that just like really bodes well for like the running. And yeah, like Doherty like really showed up on Sunday and I thought Emerson was, was very poor for the first half an hour and then was solid. So yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, solid enough that you got to drop, of course, one of uh, Billy's highlights after every Spurs game now, one of uh, sort of Os- soon to be Oscar nominated um Emerson Royale highlights vids. What was this one like, Billy? Yeah, I mean, you kind of obviously like the last few games it's been like a little bit of a joke that he's had these highlights video after having like seven touches on the ball. But now when he actually scored, like everyone was like, well, what's actually gonna happen? Now he's actually got some things to highlight. And it did not disappoint, man. The editing in this video is is like sick. It's so good. Like the transitions that he comes out with, it's like a little music video. But um my favorite <laughs> bit of it is um he he that but the, the son move that Ash was talking about earlier, at the very beginning of it, like Emerson like back heels it to Kane. He's like such a bit part in it. But that whole move takes up like half the video. He's like, he like replays the whole thing as if Emerson was the one that put the ball over to Son. It's like the main feature of the video, that and the goal. It's like he literally just back, like slightly touches it to Kane and then they play the whole move. It's so good. But yeah, the actual goal. And then I think what I assume is his family celebrating. Yeah, it was really cool. It like did not disappoint for sure. And it's just like becoming a regular highlight of the week, like the Emerson video drop, along with the content cam, which I know we all loved as well. Um, yeah, and don't worry, everyone listening. Uh, Billy will be supplying his review of uh, Royale's um, highlights package uh, every single episode on Hometown Glory. So do uh, do stay tuned for that every week. Um, I, I go back to Matt Doty for a sec. I'm I'm really thrilled for him too. I think I was both reading an interview and then sort of watched some of the post-match stuff as well. And I can't remember which paper he gave an interview to before the match, but it was, maybe it was the Guardian. He was talking about um, his sort of lowest moment where he was sort of, I think it was after that Arsenal derby under Mourinho at the Emirates where he and Bale were sort of on the left and sorry, on the right hand side and both got sort of torn apart. And he was left out of the Zagreb game, I think it was. Um, I think it, I think it was that fixture. Um, and he sort of spoke about, basically Mourinho made a bit of an example of him. And it, during sort of peak COVID as it was then, he had, to, uh, he had to like stay on the coach and he was the only player that was there that wasn't named on the bench. So he just had to like sit on the coach for ages by himself until he was allowed in the stadium. And he said there was a moment where he he had international duty after that match and he considered for about half an hour while I've sat on this coach, shall I just take myself off to the airport and, you know, fuck this basically, like this is my Spurs career over, I don't care what happens, I'm just going to go off and check in with Ireland early and obviously he didn't. Um, and yeah, he's now this incredibly important part of the team. And I also wonder if him becoming best mates with Harry Kane is really helping him I feel like those two yeah they're like they're like golf buddies and they're like really really tight apparently and the fact that they seem to be developing this chemistry on the pitch and finding each other and assisting each other and they're always like celebrating very intimately with each other and I wonder if that's actually quite helped him as well um that's our 20-minute segment on Matt Doherty. <laughs> we should probably move on. I'm going to move on to Christian Romero because 
I think that was his best game in a Spurs shirt. Um, the guy's an absolute maniac and I can't believe he plays for Tottenham. And I feel like one of us says that every week, but Rosa, he was just extraordinary, wasn't he? Yeah, what a man. I think um, our favourite, we all have the same favourite moment, right? Where he just like basically knocks Sam Maximum over and just kind of walks away. Like, you're nothing to me. <laughs> it's incredible. But he was everywhere. And it's also, so it's the system that Billy was talking about. But I think the other thing that Conte gives to the team is that confidence. And Ash you spoke about it in our group where you were now is it the whether it's the third or the fourth or fifth goal I can't really remember but you were like this is why you stay calm and play out from the back and I'm like sure you can say that like once that moment that terrifying moment's passed but you are right and having a coach who gives you that confidence but also having those players because I've been watching um so I watched match of the day and then I watched um the highlights that went up on the Spurs website and also, you know, the little um, compilation of his best moments. And it is just that calmness on the ball. So he is, he does seem sort of slightly crazy and I'm, and I can't believe that we will get out of this season without him being sent off. And hopefully that's just not going to happen in the North London Derby. But so there is that sort of like wildness to him, but it is that calmness and that confidence. And I think, you can just see everyone else kind of taking their cues from him. And there's, there's just nothing like that. And we've, you know, we've been quite blessed at Spurs of having very classy defenders, but it doesn't always translate into a calmness across Mm. the defense. And I think that's something that he really, really gives us. He's just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we're all in love with him and rightly so. Yeah. And I think speaking of that sort of aggression that he has, like his sort of, positional sense is absolutely like crazy like I know obviously he does all the like it, it doesn't it's not a problem because of the way that he defends so well in the first place but the amount so I sit in the south stand I sit right, right literally right behind the goal and the amount of times I look up and literally see like Romero like five foot away from me so I like, mate you're literally a defender what are you doing attacking this close to the goal and the amount of times you see Conte like going wild at him on the touchline just like shouting at Romero to get back I just love the amount of times that he's like in the box randomly it's just I just love that about him but and like it would be a problem if he wasn't so un- incredibly good at defending anyway. He's just he's just an absolute nutter, really, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's just absolute like a such a crazy wild character. But I thought the way that he because I think before the game we were worried about how Royale would deal with um, uh, Saint Maximum, but then it kind of transpired that it was just going to be Romero on him all game. And coming off the back of that performance against Antonio, that's two in the games in a row now where he's like snuffed out the most dangerous player on the pitch without even having any kind of problem back. It's just you know. It's, two from two against Antonio and San Maximum, which, you know, for an, a defender, it's just, it's like, it's, it doesn't happen to us. We don't have defenders that are that good all the time. It's, it's amazing, really. It's, um, I feel like he almost now seems to pick which attacker he's going to, like, make an example of and, you know, sort of, like, make mincemeat of by just crushing their dreams. And it feels like it was obviously Antonio, West Ham, San Maximum, Newcastle, hopefully... I'm thinking like Coutinho because well, Coutinho is too small. That would be a bit unfair. Who, who's it going to be for Villa? Maybe like Watkins. Yeah, I guess it would be Watkins, wouldn't it? I mean, only Watkins seems like a nice man that doesn't deserve a Christian Romero sort of special, but he's probably their most dangerous doesn't player. Matter. So yeah, he's got to doesn't be crushed. Matter, yeah, no pity, um, no pity. But they both do that though, don't they? Um, Romero and Bentancourt, they both take that sort of responsibility and they kind of see where the danger is on 
um, the other side and they say, right, I'm, I'm going to walk straight for that and take it out. And yeah, they're both that lovely combination of like calm on the ball, quality on the ball, but they're also like pretty filthy as well. And I think having that, that kind of meanness through the team now that we just haven't had, I just think is, is massive for us. Yeah, we also need to I, keep an eye on Romero because I think he's one or two yellow cards away from missing a game. I may have got that wrong, but I think it's pretty close to that, like the cutoff point. I think if I'm right, so he's he's two yellow cards away from it, but he resets in like three games time. So I think we're like, we're just on the edge basically. So if he gets booked in the next two games, and I think it's because it's 10 bookings. I, th- I think I'm right in this. I'm not 100%. I think he misses two games as well, which would be a disaster. But he now would have to get booked in both. I think it's two consecutive games now to be for that to happen. I think it resets really, really soon. So hopefully it will we'll be all right now. But I know that was a real worry back in like four or five games ago. He was like two yellow cards away from getting a t- two-match ban. But now I think he's got like three games now about getting a yellow card. So I think we should be all right, hopefully. God knows how, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think it was like crazy, wasn't it? He got like something like eight yellow cards in his first thirteen Premier League games or something like that. It was like ridiculous. But now he's gone. He seems to have gone like three or four without now, which is decent. I feel like I'd sort of. Well, who knows if Villa will be tough or not? We'll go on to that. But yeah, an away an away game he seems to pick up most of his bookings. I think so. It'd be a challenge for him on Saturday. Um, we've gone like maybe 15, nearly 20 minutes without talking about Harry Kane pretty much once. I feel like this is sort of becoming a bit of a trend on this podcast that we sort of compliment every single other player. I mean, he was absolutely... I mean, first half he was quite quiet, but the whole team were. But second half, just absolutely, like, exquisite. Just one of the most sensational performances I can remember seeing from a forward, especially one that didn't even manage to score, which seems ridiculous. Um, Billy, he was just magnificent, wasn't he? Yeah, and you know what? If you if you imagine that scenario, like you you see us win five, score five goals, and Harry Kane doesn't score any of them, you're thinking Kane must have had a terrible game. But he's probably, you know, I know Carragher gave a man of the match at Sky, and like I think the level that he's playing at the moment, especially in 2022 in particular, I think he's by some distance the best player in the league at the moment on current form. Because um, sort of Salah's sort of going through a little bit of a quiet patch at the moment. Um, I think it's just. It's, he's almost like carrying us to the top four. And if we, I know we're going to come on to talking about this later, but if we are serious about actually doing it as a team, then we're going to have, Kane's going to have to sort of drag us there at times because that's what we've always wanted from Kane. Like he is our best player. He's probably, you could argue, the best player in the league at, on current form, one of the best players in the world. Like we need him to drag us like he is at the moment. And since the beginning of 2022 in particular, if you think about like the Man City game and all these big performances that he's dropping, I just think he's the best player in the league at the moment. And it's just the things that he's doing, it's just like you, you can't imagine any other player doing that. So you can imagine like Kevin De Bruyne putting in some of those passes, but then you, you had like five or six goals in his last uh, six, seven Premier League games on top of that as well. It's just insane what he's doing, both creatively and like scoring wise. It's just, yeah, I, I think he's by far the best player in the league at the moment. And it's really, really helping us. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to watch. I was um, watching Match of the Day and they were quite critical of Newcastle, particularly in the second half of like no one picking up Kane, basically, and just kind of losing track of him. And it's it's easy to 
say that from the sort of defender's perspective, right? You say, oh, you should, you should have been following him. You should be picking him up. He's gone there. He's gone there. But that's the point about a player like Kane, right? You can't, like, you think, you, you think you're on him and then you've lost him. And, and that, that is what the best players in the world can do is you think you've been following them all game and then all of a sudden they will pop up. You just, like, shut your eyes for a second. You've lost them. And it's just a glorious thing to watch. It's been such an interesting season in that way because, I, you know, we were talking towards the end of the year, right? Um, Kane needs to step up. He's here now. He's going to be here for the rest of the season. And now he just needs to start getting some goals. And he's got that, but he's just turned into just like the metamorphosis has been unbelievable really even for us who've been watching him for the last couple of years and have been seeing this transformation right we still I don't think really any of us saw this kind of level of creativity coming right yeah and I think if you look at like Kane's history you had like the Pochettino version of Kane which is like um, he was like a pressing machine and like getting on the end of chances, scoring, you know, goals every game. Then you had the Mourinho version, which was like dropping deeper and being creative. And like, I think what Conte is, and he sort of like mixed the two together to make probably the best version of Kane we've ever seen. Like he's still dropping deep, but his fitness is at, like as good as it was in like Pete Pochettino era, because you know that's what Conte does to his players, to his fitness regimes. And I think we're sort of seeing the sort of amalgamation of both the Pochettino Kane and the Mourinho Kane. And the Conte Kane, I would say, is probably the best version that we've seen of him at the moment. It's just it's an insane level. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I, I think to Rose's point about sort of switching off and giving him room, that was like, for me, the best moment of the match, even though it wasn't a goal, was him, them giving him a tiny bit of space. He dropped off and like played this incredible like pass on the volley, which like set Kulisewski off. And like no other player, maybe De Bruyne perhaps could like play mm. that pass. And yeah, it just, it kind of gives, I know we're going to get onto it in a sec, but that kind of gives you confidence that like top four can happen because he's playing at like an unbelievable level that like we haven't seen before and we've watched him for years now. So it's really exciting. And like, yeah, we, I don't want to take him for granted. I know we, we should probably speak about him at the top of every podcast. Yeah, and I think just going by how crazy this performance was, like I think what Ash was just saying there is like the first time we mentioned Kulusevski as well, who's also just brilliant. Like, again, like just mm. the level of like performance from our team at the moment that Conte is getting out of them is just like you know there. I think every single person played really really well on, at the weekend. Um, other than maybe you could argue Hugo Lloris, who had a, had a pretty poor game, not just with the actual goal, but with his his kicking again, but it's under pressure a little bit, but. Like, honestly, like, again, it's just another really good performance from Kudazewski as well, who I think um, that's just with his right foot as well, which is, you know, something really good to see because I know a lot yeah. of the criticism has been he's a bit like one-footed. And also, I think it's it's how one-footed that he might be that people seem to sort of zero in on, plus obviously that he's not the quickest. But I thought the, the assist for Sonny's goal, the third one, where sort of Kane set Kulisewski away he took one touch with his left and then played Son in with his right he, he actually showed a pretty decent turn of pace to sort of zoom down the wing to get to get that kind of yard of space to to play the cross I I just I love how he doesn't like he doesn't demand the ball constantly Kulisewski like he's not one of those players that sort of goes hunting for the ball or you know, he's not a Lucas, say, where he's just always kind of like, right, I'm just attracted to where the ball is and I'm going to just buzz around and annoy people until they give me it or whatever. 
he just is very disciplined in how he keeps his shape. He allows the team to have that whip. But when he does get the ball, he's so decisive and he, everything he does seems sort of purposeful and he knows what he's doing and it's for the sort of greater good. Like he doesn't do anything that's sort of selfish or anything, which I, I suppose the fact he's got five assists since he arrived sort of speaks to. I just love him. And, you know, obviously he's going to be compared to Luis Diaz for the rest of his time in England, I imagine. But, and, you know, he's obviously a very, very good player that Liverpool have. And I'm sure every Spurs fan would have loved to have signed him. But I think in terms of Kulisevsky being left-footed, being able to play on the right, cutting in the way that he does, giving the team that balance, I would I would sign him over Diaz every any day of the week now. Like I know that sounds maybe a bit bonkers, but I just think he is so perfect for this Conte team. Um, I love him. Uh, I also love Sonny, which of course everyone knows how much I love Sonny. And we haven't mentioned him yet. And again, not like, an impeccable performance. We've mentioned him missing that sensational cane pass to, you know, maybe round off a sort of goal of the season contender. But, you know, I feel like with Sonny, you're all some, we're all sometimes at risk of sort of nitpicking someone who, you know, he's second leading goal scorer in the Premier League. He's like scored nine goals in nine home games now. He's, you know, there just aren't many players in the division, let alone within the club that, score and assist at the same ratio he does. So I just feel like him and Kane sort of cresting perhaps at the same time, ably assisted now by Kulisevsky. I just feel like it's all coming together. Um, I really, really do. I suppose the only downside, which I'll come on to in a second, because Rosa's going to keep good times going for a bit longer. Go on, Rosa. Yeah, I am, because I do just, um, yeah, I want to pick up on that about that, um, front three and like particularly well particularly Kane but also the other two is that you know obviously it's great to be thinking about top four and to have it all come together but I think just watching them play right now it's just it's really important it's such a good reminder of why we love this game because Mm. like the skill and the vision and the creativity and just the sheer joy that we get from watching them it's just like nothing else isn't it and I think just like this is a moment to just really stop and think, okay, absolutely. Right, we want to we want to yeah. end in top four. Like we want to finish the season in top four. Absolutely. But this little run of home games has just been so wonderful. Like, and I've obviously not been there for any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> and it makes but, it makes you feel like, you know, surely I think you know, the two most important figures going into the summer, I guess, are Conte and Kane. You know, we all know that. Surely, if you're Conte, I know that he could leave, you know, he could leave like the night before the season if he had some row. So, or the, sorry, the night before the season started if he has a row with Levy over something or other, if he's that sort of guy. However, he must be seeing what is happening now and thinking to himself, you know, with a few little tweaks in the summer, if I can convince Kane to stay, even if they don't get top four, and obviously we all pray to God that we do, that is a good football team now that is actually understood what that man wants out of them, that has got the system down. And, you know, we all thought we were going to have to sort of melt all these wingbacks down for glue in the summer. And he's even turned these guys into like, you know, assisting, goal scoring, you know, functional human beings. It's, it's, yeah, you just hope that there's something there. Um, 
I I mean, I feel like we're running the risk. I say risks. It's a lot of fun of just going through the entire 11 and complimenting everyone. Um, any downsides? I suppose we conceded another goal from a set piece. Um, a sort of silly one to give away by Son and then Hugo whilst a bit maybe blindsided by a not terrific wall. Um, just sort of punched it in his own net, which I don't think was obviously very good. Didn't concede from a corner though, so that's something. <laughs> anyone like is anyone like worried, worried by the goals that we are conceding at the moment? Or no, are we getting I, a bit better? Ash, no. I'm really chill about it. I mean, like not to be all happy clappy, but I think like even the response to their goal was really impressive because we just yeah. went straight at the other end and equalized. And like yeah. that really reminded me of when we'd we're sort of going for top four years ago and like that would happen and like the crowd would get behind the team and we'd like basically mm. like respond with a goal so we're like we're going to concede some goals nothing's ever going to be perfect but i think the response was like really encouraging so and i really yeah. i hope it's encouraging for the running as well because i feel like there was a definite there was a palpable sort of freak out when newcastle did score but the team just we're like, nah, we're not fast. We're just going to go and equalise now. And I thought Sonny particularly was just, I mean, he literally got the ball and was like, I gave this free kick away. I'm going to make this right. And like ran almost the length of the pitch to win the corner, didn't he? From which we scored the goal. And I think, I hope as a fan base, we can see now that this team is resilient and can concede a goal and not freak out and just get on with it. And therefore we don't have to freak out if, you know, the team aren't just going to crumble um because yeah we've got what three home games left and they're all going to be absolutely massive aren't they yeah I mean I do find it quite maddening um but at the same time just because (laughs) it just feels inevitable we like give away like a silly free kick and then that just it, it just feels like the chance to concede is just that much higher than for any other team so but at the same time you know the team that Conte's managed to fashion you know no team is going to be perfect and what we've been given is so good I'm not really like I'm not I am bothered but I'm not that bothered I can't be I I don't want to get into sort of a fuss about it really it's it's irritating but it's also you know I've I've watched Spurs do that for so many years and we and a lot of that time we haven't played football anywhere near as good as I'm watching Mm. now so I will take it good Good. I think yeah, we're all the think, same um, boat. And I think as well, like the amount of goals that we're scoring at the moment, I think we scored 13 goals our last three home games. Um, and I think we scored the most Premier League goals in 2022. Like the def- I'm, I'm not really that worried about defence. Like, it's not like we look shaky like we have done in the past when the like, new mm. for example. We don't look like, you know, we never really come up, look like we're like like really wobbling at the back. We, we tend to control games and like dominate attacking in an attacking sense. So that's not really an issue for me, I don't think. I think at the moment we look like we're going to outscore pretty much every team that we come against. So yeah, I'm not really too worried about it. Um, one of the reasons we're looking like we're going to outscore everyone at the moment is because we're getting goals from everywhere, uh, which led us to ask our very wonderful Twitter followers um, the following question, which was... Um, Bearing in mind that we're now seeing goals from uh, the likes of Gentle Ben Davies, uh, Matt Doherty and even Emerson Royale, we wanted to know, what is your favourite goal scored by a Spurs fullback? Uh, it doesn't have to be the best goal, your favourite goal. Um, 
going to take it over to our Twitter correspondent, Billy T. Um, Billy, I don't know if we've ever had as many responses to one of our ridiculously niche questions as we have this one. Yeah, man, it's been quite like we had an insane amount of responses, it's been like overwhelmingly so. But I think, and if, and if Billy thing... says that, because <laughs> you know, then that's that means something. And a lot of the exactly a lot of the um, there's a lot of like repeated answers here, but I'll just go through some of them now. So, um, a lot of people obviously mentioned Danny Rose, which is maybe slightly controversial for the reason I'll say in a second, but um, someone says any other answer than Danny Rose is just plain wrong. That's from AD Bryan, um, friend of the show and family member of the show, Ollie says, um, very surprised he's gone for something confrontational here, knowing Ollie. He says, all the boring people will say Rose and Walker versus Arsenal, Carr versus United, and BAE versus Liverpool. But the streets only remember Timothy Otuba against Newcastle. Again, it's another one that comes up quite a lot. Um, Chris says, Edmund slightly ahead of Danny Rose versus Woolwich. Uh, Lily White Rose says, Danny Rose versus Arsenal. The roof came off the lane and Sol Campbell came back and took the L. Only one answer to this. Yes, that's right, says Jordan, the Emerson one at the weekend. What technique? Um, that must, I assume, is edit, Emerson's video editor sending that one in. Um, we've got Jason Lee saying Ziga, Christian Ziga, the free kick. Holly says Rose versus Arsenal. I uh, had quite a lot of shouts for Stephen Carr versus United, which I do have quite a good memory of when I was, when I was a kid. Uh, Andy Perry says that was the peak of his career. Um, and Tony Spamoni says Stephen Carr, my lord, against United as well. Um, Nick Butcher says Carr's chip on the final day of the season versus Sunderland, which I have no memory of. But, you know, who doesn't love a chip goal? Um, Johnny, another shout for Timothy Otuba against Newcastle. First time he won there in years. Uh, Mark says Edmund. Uh, Lucas, with a bit of niche shout, says Power Tremors Army by far. Um, I don't know which goal he's referring to there, but I assume it must have been a He's, he's having a joke. Power Tremors Army did not score a goal for Tottenham Hotspur. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So he didn't even score one. Um, Brian says again, he's just sent a video of the um, the Atuba goal. It's actually such a banging goal, it's a great finish. Sort of cuts inside, like on, on his right foot and like curls in. Great goal. Um, just going through some more here. Ryan Goldius says Trippier versus Tottenham, that famous own goal against Chelsea, which was absolutely horrific. Um, Tweak of Max says Rose versus Chelsea, probably nowhere near the best goal on the list, but I'm leaving his body on the line to score it. Made me love him. Oh, in the 5 3. In the 5 3, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and can you hear the drum says, as a Swede, you can't be Eric Edmonds, absolute banger, which is one of the best, one of the all-time great goals from distance in the Premier League, I would say. Um, I can I, so we surely some people must have said Paul Stouteri against West Ham. Of course, Ham. of course. We've got quite a few of them coming out. Here we go, I'll read one now from Shrewsbury's first saying, Solteri against West Ham. I'm not sure the Rose one, te- yes, yeah, so this is what I was going to come on to. I'm not sure the Rose one technically counts as he did play left wing in that game uh, that conversation happened later which, that conversion happened later which is i guess a very good true. point yeah it's a very good point um david says paul canadian bacon solterio solterio against uh, west ham no i don't care that no one else calls him that nickname <laughs> canadian bacon. um big fan of edmund or anfield says dave scott walker winner versus arsenal benoit versus liverpool we'll probably have to go with danny's debut goal versus arsenal Got some Walker more against Arsenal is underrated, yeah. Yeah, the sort of and also, long ranger that Chesney completely lost track of. Also gave birth to a chant as well, doesn't it? Like the um, the proclaimers chant again for Carl Walker, um, which was mentioned in the chant as well. That was a great goal. This one, which I can only assume is Rose's burner account, says seems everyone already forgot it, but Davis versus Stoke last season is my low key favourite. So there you go, Rosa, on the burner account there. Do you um, know what Ben? Whoever ben's that person other, is, they are not wrong. They are not ben's wrong. Other, he scored another great goal. Do you remember we were away at Swansea once with that really amazing team yes. goal that uh, he, he finished off? Yeah, only scores bangers, does Ben. 
only bangers and speaking of burner accounts i assume this could be charlie so not the best quality goal but one of my favorites was vatongan versus dortmund which was a fantastic goal followed by the superman celebration which was a great shout because it's one of his few games at left back as well for us that was a really good mm-hmm. shout um reto ziegler from two yards more shouts for Stephen carl loads of shouts for stolteri as well yeah so loads and loads of fullback goals um, yeah, we've just got some real bangers from fullback positions, but sort of the ones that keep coming up are Edmund, Rose, and Stolteri, I'd say the most. Thank you, Billy, for uh, that was a tough job because that was literally the tip of the iceberg in terms of replies. And you read out about 960. So thank you for tirelessly going through that. Um, I Ash, really love that Rose any... one. Which against one? Chelsea actually the Chelsea one I'd forgotten mm. about that but that is honestly that's like the quintessential Danny Rose moment I think where it's just like full commitment he's right body on the line was like being just taken out I think because he scored right yeah. so yeah, I, um, oh Danny uh, I can't co-sign I, any um Stephen Carr goals though because just like the original snake no thank you no <laughs> Still not forgiving him. Do you know what? I have forgiven Steve. I don't forgive. I don't forgive. I don't forget. I'll tell you why I forgave him because he captained that Birmingham team that beat Arsenal in the League Cup final. And that was one of my greatest non Spurs football days of my life, watching that Birmingham uh, upset of Arsenal in that final. Magnificent. Um, Ash, any, any standouts for you? Fullback goals? I was going with Ollie on the Atiba one. That was the first one that sprung to mind. You're a, big, you're a bigger tuba guy, aren't you, actually? I forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. Along with my cousin. So I have to shout out my cousin, Anna Tuba. Huge goal. <laughs> Billy, what's your favourite? Um, yeah, I'm just just thinking back to like the Danny Rose point. Like, Was Bale left back when he scored that goal against Stoke? And that's why I'm not sure if he was sort of had a quite a long period in the team as left back. I'm not sure how many of his like ridiculous goals were in that period off when he transitioned to like a left winger. But if it was, if he was playing left back back then, then that'd be up there as well. That was an incredible goal. Yeah, I was Um, just going to mention that actually, because, well, I guess he was, he was at left back definitely when we played Inter. I don't think he, I'm not sure. I feel like he might have been left wing by then. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Really? Yeah. I, I think he probably scored a free kick, though, early doors as a left back. Against, like, he scored one against, against Arsenal yeah. like, in, a, in a defeat. Yeah. He scored a brace against Fulham in one of his early games for Spurs. Uh, when he was, it was weird with Bale, wasn't it? Because he was really good when he arrived, despite being like 12 or whatever. And then he got a really bad injury and came back. And that's when that, ridiculous sort that of curse run thing. of games yeah yeah began and then I don't know if he actually ever like came back and they bothered playing him at left back again I feel like he was then I don't know I'd need to go through and probably have a chat with Harry Redknapp or something <laughs> see how it all went down um my my picks would have been Danny Rose and also uh, a goal that a guy that I didn't realize Rosa really really hates uh Mauricio Tirico. um I'm he's so scored. shocked that you love him, like genuinely. I well, that was my... scrolling through Twitter and I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> I mean, I feel Abysmal. like he, he to go to sort of tie it back to our sort of Spurs seven questions that we ask everyone. He's one, he'd be one of my like favorite terrible players, I think, in the sense that back then, like, and I'm sort of tried to make this point um, in vain, I think, because Rosa wasn't having it, but like most of our players were bad. So, it was like slim pickings to actually like find a good one. So at least with him, I was like, 
He's got terrific hair, which I know Billy agrees with me on. Um, he did that cool thing with like the shin pads and the socks, you know, sort of like rolled your socks around your shin pads. Great name from Argentina. Like I just, I liked a lot about him. Obviously he wasn't very good, but I was at like that Leeds game that he scored an absolute like thunder bastard of a finish from distance. And that was, that was it for me. I was sold from there. Uh, Do you know what it is? I'm I'm obviously like mortally offended by terrible Argentinian players. Right. That was a lot of fun. I always enjoy asking everyone for their uh, niche Spurs opinions on Twitter and you guys never disappoint. Um, Speaking of disappointments, um, if you support the wrong side of North London, they um, humiliated themselves against Crystal Palace, which... Uh, the only downside to, to that result was that it ensures that not one of the five of us will have a successful set of predictions from our last episode. The closest we got uh, was a very brave Rosa and a very brave Billy predicting a draw for Arsenal going to Sellers Park. Um, me, Tom and Ash all thought Arsenal would win. Um, I mean, I feel like, Billy, you were fairly convinced that Arsenal were going to struggle. Um, you know, it wasn't bravado. You were like pretty sold on the idea that Palace would give them a good game. Yeah, I think like um, just I'm listening to like talk sport today actually. And they're talk, talking about Palace have got a really good record against the big sides. Um, they beat us. They haven't lost to Man City all season. Um, they haven't lost to Arsenal in all season now because they I think they drew them. They, if you remember, I think Arsenal just make nick a late and equaliser against them. Yeah, last minute. They, yeah. Ne- they nearly beat Arsenal away. They've they've had some good. I think they've had three clean sheets on the bounce. Um, coming into that game. So I think they're a really, really well set up team. I was a bit worried when I, I saw that Alise was not playing because I think he's probably their best player of the season. Um, but they've just got so many good young players like Gallagher. Um, they've got the, the, the young English defenders as well that have been playing really, really well. Um, Eze was on the bench. I, I, I'm really a big fan of Eze. So he was on the bench, but Zahar came back, which again, I think people were worried about after the international break. But um, yeah, I think they're just a really well set up side. And I think... They can cause problems for anyone. And I think the, the sort of defensive steal that they've got, like when they kept kept clean sheet against Man City a couple of weeks ago, I just thought it was a it was a bad time to be playing them. And to be honest, I think like it's the first time we've put Arsenal under pressure all season. First time we've gone above them. Um, I think I'm right. First time we've gone into the top four since Conte's been here. I think that's true. Yeah, since um, September, I think. Since yeah. September, and it's like they've crumbled at the very first sight of any kind of pressure. Um, and it's by no means overall, by no means means that we've won the top four race or anything like that. But it's just a really good indicator that if we put, keep putting pressure on them, they do they do have a lot of weaknesses and they do they might continue to crack like that. So I think the early signs in this sort of end of the season run are really good for us. We just got to keep maintaining and doing our thing. I think. I think what was really important was that they played so poorly. They just were like Palace were really up for it, and Arsenal just didn't look up for it at all, which I found quite surprising to be honest. I thought. I don't, I don't know if they just thought that like Vieira would do them a favour or something. <laughs> like I, I, so I did put the draw down as a bit of a, um, Ollie sort of talked me into it because he, he said, you know, they have played really well against the top sides, but, and I, to kind of counterbalance that, I was like, but Arsenal have just been beating everyone below them. So I thought, okay, I'll go for a draw. And then there was that slight worry because Palace have their cup semi-final coming up, but that's not for another couple of weeks. So I think I was slightly calmer before that, um, just kind of realising they had a bit more time than than I thought they did. But I think it, it was just the this, this sort of manner of defeat, really. They just didn't, 
they just didn't seem up for it. And, and given that we had already gone above them, that is mm. a terrible, terrible sign for them. And listen, we don't, we don't know, like this could all be, this could all look completely different this time next week. Right. But as things stand, I'm going to just enjoy this moment, frankly. Yeah. Um, Billy, do you feel like, I mean, not that Aubameyang was necessarily scoring loads of goals, but we have, you know, the two most sort of prolific forwards in the league at the moment. And I feel like with Arsenal, and I think Carragher watching back some of the footage from the Sky game uh, of, our, of us on the weekend, he made the point that Spurs have players that can sort of win you games by themselves. And I think we've we've made similar points on this podcast. Whereas with Arsenal, it feels like the whole team, maybe they work better as a team, which I don't even know is true at this point of the season anymore anyway. But it feels to me a bit like the whole Arsenal machine has to be running smoothly for sort of any goals really to arrive because they don't have that sort of standout striker that's just going to score from nothing. Is that maybe going to be the difference, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Like, I remember saying at the time, in January, it looked like they sold themselves short. Like They've, they've sold Aubameyang, which even if you don't consider um, the form that he was in, you're getting rid of a striker from the first, from, you know, from the squad anyway. And they didn't replace him with anybody. They sent out a load of players on loan and they've just left themselves with like Lacazette up front. I think they've got four league goals this season, I think. Something mm. like, so it's, it's way less than 10 anyway, however many it is. Um, and it just seems like really, really short. Like they're sort of relying on goals from Saka, who is, you know, he is getting a lot, he is a very good player and he is chipping in with a lot of goals. But if that isn't working, then Lacazette is nowhere near a prolific enough striker to carry them into the top four. So unless they are getting goals from Martinelli and Saka, which, you know, in a lot of their games this year is, is what has sort of won them those games. But I don't really see it in Lacazette at all. I don't think he's prolific enough um, to carry them to top four in the same way that you could say, um, you know, that Kane is for us. And even like, if you look at the teams around them, like West Ham and Man United, West Ham have got Jared Bowen, who's scoring like pretty much a goal a game at the moment in the Premier League. Um, and Man United have just got like a ridiculous amount of firepower up front as well. Um, whether they're performing or not, they've got the players that can score goals all the time. If you look at Arsenal's attack, it's, you know, none of them are particularly prolific. And it's only really Saka that you would say at the moment is in like the, the best form that he could be in out of, out of their current attack and options. So I, I, I said at the time, I think they've sold themselves short on, on the goal front. Um, and that's it's, it's starting to look that way. And I, th- I can see their fans getting really frustrated with Lacazette. And it's made even better by the fact that Aubameyang is now scoring a lot of goals for Barcelona as well, which is just beautiful to see, to be honest. <laughs> um, Ash, is it kind of, has, has our result and their result turned it on its head for you, do you think? Um, I've always thought we could do it, but that it would go to the wire. And I think that will still happen. Um, I think we said last week or the week before that, like Arsenal and their young team and we're the experienced team. And I think like that's starting to like show. And I think they're going to come under a lot of pressure and I'm intrigued to see how they respond. Um, last night being like the first test and they like obviously like failed miserably. Um, I checked the, the fixtures earlier and I think we have like four games um, before them and they have like a couple like before us. And I think the order of the games is like, going to be really important in the run-in like mm. we saw that in like the season when we were chasing Leicester or chasing Chelsea so I think us sort of like having a few pictures before them is going to like really pile on the pressure um and I really hate them and 
if we do it if we do it like that all or nothing documentary is going to be incredible i will watch that back to back for weeks so um i'm just praying we do it i think we're going to do it i really do i love confident ash it's my favorite it's the best I'm gonna I'm gonna believe I'm gonna believe honestly guys if we do it like we deserve this man we deserve it don't we like we like do you know what all like all of their bullshit for their like banter periods they don't know they have not suffered I feel like we deserve it in the sense that obviously we've finished above them for a bunch of seasons now and you know we had all those Champions League seasons when they weren't in it but there wasn't really a season and I think this is probably good for our collective sort of cardiac health retrospectively that it didn't happen that way but we didn't really have a season where we did to them what they used to do to us which was just like nick it from us and it was like a point in it I guess there was the last potch so that the Champions League final season we just we just got in front of them then but that was like two sort of like drunk men falling over and who could like fall over the fastest. It was such terrible teams that didn't really seem like it almost counted. And we had the Champions League final as well going on and whatever. But to do it like this, where we've caught them up and, you know, they've had their like AVB moment, you know, and I think I feel like there are parallels between Arteta and AVB at times as well. For him to... Yeah, Don't you, dare. You, you take that back right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also think what, what was quite funny, sort of like listening to the Arsenal fans like 48 hours ago, was that they were convinced that third was a lock and that <laughs> they were after Chelsea and that like they didn't need to worry about Spurs. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And I think um, the way that Arsenal fans talk on Twitter, you'd have the belief that this is like some kind of underdog story. But if they don't finish in the top four, they should feel ashamed of themselves because they spent the most in Europe in summer. Um, they backed their manager with huge amounts of money. Um, and if they don't get in the top four, if they finish below a team that was managed by Nuno for a third of the season, then they should feel absolutely ashamed of themselves, to be honest. So if it does happen, not saying that it will happen, but if it does happen, then they need to hold some serious shame because that is a, an absolute embarrassment. The amount of money that they spent and the amount of time that they spent above us in the league this season, if they don't do it, then my God. My God. And let's not forget as well, we're talking about an Arsenal team that literally ran away crying from the scene of a North London derby and behaved so poorly that the Premier League were forced to change the rules to ensure that no team could work the system to get a cancellation like they did ahead of the North London derby. And also, let's not forget, that was a North London derby where, granted, they had a bunch of people out. However, that was before we'd signed Bentoncourt, before we'd signed Kulisevsky. Eric Dyer wasn't fit at that point. Romero wasn't fit at that point. Sonny wasn't fit at that point. You know, you're talking about a Spurs team with Sanchez and... Sorry, Ash, who else wasn't? Skip wasn't fit either. Skip wasn't think. fit. No, yeah, all, like we had a team of bums and they went, they were running away from N17 from that. So please, football gods, like we're obviously massively biased, um, but we we deserve it and they don't because that's just how it has to be, I'm afraid. <laughs> and I think we're going to do it. I do think we're going to do it. Um, it moves us on to Villa. Um, on the weekend, which, I mean, every single fixture now feels seismic and enormous and terrifying. Villa, I was looking up, see how they're doing. Weird, weird team, Aston Villa. So they're 11th. 
in the league. Their last six, so starting with the one furthest back, they beat Brighton 2 0 away, but everyone beats Brighton at the moment. Um, they beat Southampton 4 0 at home, good result. Then they lost 3 0 away at Leeds, they lost to West Ham away 2 1. And they lost to Arsenal 1-0 in that really feeble performance they put in just before the international break. And then they lost 2-1 at Wolves. So they've lost their last four. Um, I think that we're going to be absolutely fine in this one because I think Gerard is arrogant enough to and desperate enough to really want a sort of big team feather in his cap and is going to come out and try and and try and attack us. And I think we're just going to pick them off quite easily. Um and I don't actually think they're playing that well, despite, and I, I looked this up as well, they've got no injuries, no suspensions. They've got an entirely full squad to pick from. But, I mean, Ash, I know you can't stand Gerard and think he's a massive fraud, so this is kind of bearing you out. I was actually going to call you out because you predicted a draw. Um, <laughs> despite... <laughs> that was despite before. Despite giving it the big end. Yeah. <laughs> Very fair. It's important that people do call me out on my bullshit. Um, that was before Newcastle, and I now am a, I'm a true believer. Um, I also predicted a draw, <laughs> so I can't speak, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, was anyone confident then and now? Billy, you, you, I mean, you said we're going to win every game apart from Liverpool, so you must be pretty chill. Yeah, and that was before the Newcastle game as well, so I still do believe that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, because I kind of had this, like, image in my head that Aston Villa are a pretty decent team like they, they seem to have given a couple of results where Coutinho scored a couple of goals and then I watched them play Arsenal like hoping they're going to do something and they were just absolutely terrible um, really bad in that game um, just really really poor so I think hopefully like it shouldn't really be a problem for us and I just think we've got so much momentum at the moment that we're just we're just going to be have to carry ourselves and win this game even if it's like 1-0 or whatever just going to have to do it and I think the form that we're in it shouldn't really be a problem for us at the moment so yeah no, I think we'll win it um okay that's two for two i mean i should be quiet now i clearly have no idea what i'm talking about and also anytime i do predict a big win it goes horribly wrong so i really should be quiet um rosa how are you feeling about it yeah i can't remember at all what i predicted um it's all a can tell you. i my only i haven't paid really much attention to villa this season i remember we all were obviously this was two different managers ago for them and us but when they came to the lane that was my first game back there for like years and I remember everyone was like they'd had like a couple of really good performances and everyone was quite freaked out because we were so bad and they seemed to be on a good run and everybody thought we like could potentially even just get um, turned over and they were they were really 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 poor so obviously I think quite a lot has changed but a lot, a lot has changed for them, but so much has changed for us. So, you know, it kind of, I don't know. I don't know what my prediction is, but ultimately, like, we we have to do it. Look, if they if they want it, they've got to do it, basically. There you go. That's my uh, team talk. Just, <laughs> I would simply. <laughs> you, um, you, you predicted a win. Um, Ash, you Did predicted. I? There you go. Like, go. Ash, like you, like you rightly called me out on, um, you also called out a draw. However, you weren't, you know, you weren't giving it the big and like me. Have you changed your mind or do you still feel like it might be a tough one for us? Um, I'll stick with my prediction. Oh, shit, sure, really? Yeah, but I, I do think we're going to get top four, but I'll stick with my prediction mm. on, on this one. Okay, why do you think Villa might 
causes enough problems to get something from us. I feel like Coutinho always does well against us. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so that just like worries me. And just the general like Spurs vibe of like really needing a big result in an important game and like then sort of like not really showing up. Um, so that for that reason, like this game feels like really important to me. Um, just to see if like Conte's like change like the players, if not us. Well, you know, it's like we were saying too. I mean, it is a little bit of a switch now. Like Arsenal losing and us winning in such sort of stylish fashion has, I think, a lot of people now think Spurs are in the box seat. You could sort of make a case for it kind of being in Tottenham's hands now. Like Arsenal have a game in hand on us, but that would only put them three ahead. Our goal difference is plus five. We've got to play them at ours. So, you know, if we win all of our games and they and they win all their games bar us, that would put us level on points, you know, and it's whoever's got the best goal difference. So, you know, it is the first time really for a long, long time where Spurs are the ones sort of with something to lose, I guess, in terms of the top four race. So it will be a massive, massive test to see if um, they can handle that pressure. Also, it's one of the few occasions, like Ash pointed out, where that Arsenal play first, we go after them. So Arsenal could you know, have a really good result against Brighton and it's all happy days and they go back above us or, you know, they might, like Billy, sort of maybe think Arsenal could stumble against Brighton and get some sort of terrible nil-nil and we might have a really big opportunity to sort of press on. But, um, yeah, Billy, how are you feeling? You're feeling confident, uh, eh? Yeah, 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 definitely. And I just want to shout out um, friend and family member of the show, Ollie, because, like, before the Arsenal game, against Palace, he tweeted that he thinks Palace is going to win. Before the Newcastle game, he tweeted that um, we're going to absolutely thrash them. Um, and I know he's getting a bit of pushback from that from people. Um, so I just want to say, be more like Ollie, people. We're going to do this. Be more like Ollie. Rosa, thoughts on that? I can't believe you said that. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, you don't have to live with him. <laughs> no, I will. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, been super humble about all of that as you can imagine. I imagine really, like, it's it's been really easy to take that as well, seeing as you've been locked in a COVID prison um, all week with each other. The good thing about it is that, um, like, he's right, but it's just, it's like, oh, no, I feel so stupid. My team won and the team I hate lost. Oh. <laughs> it's one of the few occasions where it's absolutely fine. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's actually fine. <laughs> Let's um, let's talk a little bit about Spurs women. Um, we don't want to dwell too much because it was quite a bleak weekend for them. Um, they'd had the two postponed games because of COVID. We were playing Villa, funnily enough, who um, I think are in ninth or something. We're still fifth. We were at home and we lost 1-0, Rosa. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. They're in ninth. Um, I was really surprised by it, to be honest. I think um, this is just, you know, honestly, it's just a warning, isn't it, to us all? Because I've been feeling pretty confident going into that game and didn't even worry about it really. And then they Villa, then it was, and then it was nil nil for so long. And I thought it's fine, you know, we'll get a goal from somewhere, or maybe it'll be a draw. And then they scored in the eighty seventh minute, and it just felt really deflating. I don't, you know, it's not bleak. It's just really, it's just disappointing, isn't it? And it's mm. just sort of looking at the table now is a bit sad. And there's only, 
what, like three more games left or something. And most of those Two. were against Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, literally. There's, there's the international break now and then they come back off that and have to face Chelsea twice in a week, which... Yeah, it was like it's really it's horrible. Just inhumane and shouldn't be allowed to have to play the best yeah, team in Europe, yeah. pretty much. Um, I mean, I feel like ugh, we've said it every week for months now. Like it's just the goals, isn't it? Like just yeah, just can't summon goals from enough consistent places. I mean, namely the strikers. That we just don't seem to have that reliable forward that can put it in the back of the net, sort of every other game, even. Um, but yeah, that's, that's we, like, we're still you fifth. Know, we're still fifth. Yeah. I think what we are excited about is the final home game being at the at our stadium. Um, we're going to that, which is very exciting. My my daughter's already uh, very very excited about it. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a really lovely event, and I yeah. would encourage everyone to uh, to go along on the fifth of May. Yeah, we're all going to go. We're going to go. I'm going to. Yeah, you're you're bringing your daughter. I'm bringing my daughters. Um, it's. I think it's just going to be really fun, and whatever happens, um, we'll just be able to really, really enjoy the atmosphere. I think. So yeah, come everyone. We'll see you there. Good stuff. Um, right. Let's move on to culture. Um, Billy, I'm going to start with you. Give us your culture picks, please, mate. All right. I just want to preface this by saying we haven't done a podcast for two weeks, so I'm about to reel off a whole host of things that I've been watching and listening to lately. Um, right, so I've watched a couple of decent TV shows that I finished, well, the, the show Peaky Blinders finished, um, which I thought was mostly disappointing. The series was really quite poor, but the finale was really good, and it just about sort of made up for how poor the series was. And that's the last ever episode of that, so that's done. Um, I'm currently on the new series of Top Boy, um, which I'm really, really enjoying. I think it's um, as good as it ever has been, to be honest. I'm really enjoying that. Um, I watched a really good film called Red Rocket from a director called Sean Baker, who's on an amazing run of films at the moment. He did um, The Florida Project and Tangerine, which are two really good films. Uh, and this one is like a hat trick of, you know, an incredible run. That's really worth checking out. It's about like a, a male porn star, um, but it kind of follows his life. And it's, it's really, really interesting the way it kind of makes you quite like this guy this main character this male porn star but you actually sort of by the end of the film you realize that he's like a horrible toxic person it kind of plays like the morality of it it's, it's really well worth checking out um red rocket and i also listened to the new dance system album um it was an alias of elvis 1990 used to run night label a few years ago um it's called in your system it's a debut album that is like an incredible album so i'd highly recommend that um that would be my main pick actually dance system album um and it kind of sounds like Homework by Daft Punk. It's kind of like a, a 2022 version of Daft Punk, which is always going to be a good thing. Um, but I also wanted to, just because I know it's been a while since me and Rosa have had a little chat about Marvel on this podcast, which some of you will be disappointed in, some of you will be overjoyed at. But Moon Knight was, um, Moon Knight debuted last Wednesday and I absolutely loved it. Um, Rosa, what did you think of Moon Knight? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. The thing that really made me laugh, because I, like, I don't know if it was mostly Americans complaining about Isaac's English accent, but I thought it was completely fine. I don't know about, like, you thought it was fine as well, right? Yeah, like, I think, I think like, kind not of what happened, like, the, the, thing that... the trailer made it seem worse than it was, I think, maybe. Mm. Like, from the trailer, I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit of a problem, this accent. But in this show, yeah, barely even noticed it, to be honest. It was like a spot-on English accent. Yeah, it only the only thing that did make me laugh is is the writing for all the characters is very much like they've got to say like bloody every other word just so you're just like super aware that they're like British. 
So that really cracked me up. And it's also really amusing watching Oscar as Isaac try to kind of like squish his sort of natural charisma and energy by playing like this sad sack. It works because he's a really good actor, but you can see it's just taken such an effort. But I really, really enjoyed it. And I think um, it's, it's nice because it, is that sort of it's a completely new thing and it's not like directly connected to any of the other show or movies so which is quite refreshing in a way right you don't have to watch everything else it's just a nice fun thing and if you were like kind of a dork about ancient Egypt when you were in primary school like I was that's also a fun vibe as well and to be honest um it's always good to just look at Oscar Isaac for half an hour or so no complaints <laughs> yeah. here <laughs> exactly man. and i think it's like it's such a good showcase for oscar Isaac. i was just into um the empire podcast they were talking about the director uh interview the director and he said the scenes where he's talking to himself in the mirror and if you don't know about the show he's got two different characters he's playing two um split personalities at once it's all like one take so it's not like cutting between two takes there he's actually doing that in the moment which is pretty fucking amazing really like it's such a good performance from oscar Isaac. and those mirror scenes are all shot in real time which is insane when you see those really god he's such a good actor and also like shout out to Ethan Hawke as well who has always been I think quite an underrated actor and it's really really nice to kind of just to see him just sort of like do whatever he wants to do now I guess in this kind of late phase of his career like he doesn't have to be like a sort of like annoying pretty boy he can just do whatever and he's so good in it yeah, is it like, was the knock on him that he was a sort of a bit of a shagger that wasn't that kind of, I don't, I know. don't think he was good to Uma. Yeah. That's the, that uh, the problem, yeah. Right? I don't, I, yeah. I don't think he was a great husband by all accounts, but, uh, mm. you know, he's an actor, so really. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We should uh, step off that before we get down for libel. Um, Ash, your picks, please. Yeah, so I've been listening to like loads of albums. There's like a Jay Worthy Larry June album, which is great. There's a Rema album. There's a J. Cole mixtape. But there's a, a new album from Denzel Curry, who's like a rapper. I think it's from Florida. And the album's called Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. And Robert Glasper's on there. Uh, T Pain is on there. Slow Ties on there. Um, and it's just really brilliant. It's like a step in a new direction for him. Um, and I really recommend it. It's great. Um, my music gets my kind of weekly playlist just gets such an enhancement anytime Ash recommends anything. Uh, always super grateful. Ash, thank you very much. Um, Rosa, you've been poorly, obviously, um, as have your entire household. Have you been able to seek comfort in culture this week at all? No, I've done absolutely nothing. I've just been, because my whole family's been sick. So I've just basically gone to bed at eight o'clock every night. And in the daytime, I just watched uh, children's telly. So we've, what we did, we have managed to watch Turning Red. So that is one thing I can do. And I, and we have listened to the soundtrack a few times. And I just, I can't, you're, you're so right, Charlie. Like I can't get over how good those songs are. They're just, just unbelievable. Perfect. They're just so well observed, aren't they? Like, you can't believe that they're not from that time. Yeah, they just, it's, but also you can sort of hear that kind of Billie Eilish, like, vibe, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which makes, which just basically makes them perfect. 
they're just yeah tremendous yeah turning red just has not come off our television for like three weeks now it's it's so good that i'd recommend it to anyone um well rosa we wish we wish you guys better very soon um my ones very quickly a couple of tv shows um the dropout on disney plus which is about elizabeth holmes and theranos is really 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 good i thought it was going to be a bit cheesy but um amanda siegfried is superb playing sort of what could have been a bit of a cartoon character would definitely definitely recommend that um the split has just started its final season on the bbc so looking forward to watching that and on a music tip um kelly lee owens who's one of my favorites has got new music coming soon and um been lucky enough to hear quite a bit of it and it's so so good and she's incredible just sort of our usual bigging up sort of women in electronica tip that we have on this podcast i think this is potentially going to sort of take her to a new a new level she's always always good but this is fantastic um right i reckon we should wrap it up there we've been we've been talking away for what feels like minutes but i know it's probably hours for people that have maybe listened the entire time um rosa thank you ash thank you billy thank you very much um this has been a joy because spurs are playing really well um and i love talking to you guys as always thank you ever so much um billy see you soon up the eagle sorry i mean up the spurs planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.